Welcome to the Friends for Life podcast. My name is Lisa Anderson. And I'm Mackie Alston. And we are beloved friends and co-conspirators interviewing other friends and co-conspirators. Thanks for being with us as we explore the ways in which friendship helps us create a world of love and justice. Oh, so good morning, good afternoon, good evening, beloved humans out there in the world. Uh, My name is Lisa Anderson, and I'm welcoming you here with more enthusiasm than I can actually contain in this little screen um, to the second season of the Friends for Life podcast. Um, And here are my friends who I'm here with. (laughs) So I'm Mackie Austin, Lisa Anderson's friend, uh, and the Reverend Dr. Emma Jordan Simpson's new friend, our new president at Auburn Seminary, Uh, what's better than having a new friend? It is such a thrill to be with you here uh, as we start this next season, as we uh, think about this coming new year and this brand new chapter in Auburn's story. Yeah. So for those of us who've never been on this podcast before, or for those of you who've never been on this podcast before, um, Mackie and I, came up with this wonderful idea for this podcast in collaboration with a bunch of friends. And in our first season, we just wanted to talk with people during the election, during the time when the pandemic first started. And we were trying to think about how we get through hard times. Now we're, I think we're still in the season of hard times, Um, but we wanna go deeper. We wanna go deeper into exploring all the things what it means to make new friends, what it means to talk about friendship in light of grief and loss and laughter and love. And, um, and so we're inviting you in uh, to that conversation. Making new friends is just about right right now because, um, because our new president, Emma Jordan Simpson of Auburn Seminary is here with us. And so I'm gonna stop talking and just let Emma say something wonderful. I'm so glad to see the both of you. I wish that we were in person so that we could hug, hug, hug. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so good to see your faces uh, today. And um, I'm just glad to be here. So, So, hello. uh, hello. So Emma, our format's really easy. Um, We just ask you a few questions about what friendship means to you. yeah, as, as a leader, as a person, as a mom, as a, a sister friend, as, you know, from all the ways that you kind of show up in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always start by um, having some lovely way to get into the body. We want to have fun. We mm-hmm. want to be serious when it's right to be serious um, and um, just conversate. So uh, by way of beginning, um, what flavor delights you, Emma? Ooh, chocolate. Mm. Deep, deep chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> say a little more. Can you say Absolutely. A more? There's something about, so all of the senses, there's something about the color, the deep richness of it. So not milk chocolate, but deep dark chocolate. Mm. There's something about the smell that 
I just, I'm in anticipation, you know, already. And then of course the taste, it makes me feel like I'm doing something um, uh, dangerous. Say it, say it. <laughs> Illegal. Uh, <laughs> that it is, I mean, it is so delicious. I feel like, am I supposed to be doing this? I, you know, it is, it is such a good, 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 good flavor. Mm -hmm. so, chocolate. Uh, I live in a house where folks like, you know, vanilla and um, strawberry, the older I have gotten, I have to confess, there are days when I am absolutely a black auntie and butter pecan is the flavor. Of oh my God. <laughs> totally recognize. I am an absolute black auntie sitting there <laughs> looking at, you know, everyone with, you know, just great joy and approval and having my wonderful butter pecan ice cream. <laughs> mm -hmm. That is such a black auntie thing. Oh, Nancy, <laughs> just, just know in this conversation, you're going to be initiated into a particular <laughs> realm of black auntie, black girlfriend, black woman-ness. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, I uh, welcome uh, my initiation. I welcomed it into that uh, that category of black womanhood. Mm -hmm. And I love young people who, um, you know, that's how they respond. In fact, I was at the post office a couple of, uh, the middle of the summer where we're still doing like physical distancing. And I was at the post office and waiting in line and a woman came behind me and was standing really close. And a young guy came in. He couldn't have been no more than like 22 or 23. I don't know this kid. And he looked at the woman standing behind me and he said, are you just going to be up on my auntie like that? Give her some space. Wow. <laughs> just the like, you know, I was like, thank you, baby. <laughs> 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 just, just thank you for thinking of me, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm an auntie. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that. Mm. I love that. So um, on that note of being an auntie, of mm -hmm. being a friend of, you know, we want to just kind of explore with you, um, you know, in some ways you're making new friends being here at Auburn. Um, some of us have known you for many years, myself included. Um, so we're not new friends, but we are making something new mm -hmm. in this space as uh, work colleagues for the first time in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so that requires something newness inside, newness inside of friendship. I know Mackie and you are just sort of entering into something. Um, what does it mean to you to make new friends? Mm -hmm. Um, I love my friends, uh, and I have uh, good friends, folks who have been with me for years. I have a wonderful group of women called uh, the Reverend Sister Girlfriends. You know, all these Black women clergy, and uh, you know, regular girlfriends. Uh, Friendship to me is about looking in the same direction. So it is not 
the relationship of we agree on everything. In fact, you know, spice it up a bit. <laughs> it is not about that. It is about being in relationship with people who are looking in the same direction mm. and, um, and walking together. And, uh, and, and no matter, you know, how, um, how we're looking in the same direction, we always have our own sort of vantage point. You know, I am six feet tall. And so there's a, there's a where the, a, a space that I see, you know, and for uh, my girlfriends who are a bit shorter, there's a, there's a space that, you know, that they see, but we're looking in the same direction. And, um, and so then the opportunity to connect around the things that are distinct about us, uh, unique even. Um, yeah, I, I consider that to be uh, special and holy, mm -hmm. uh, these kinds of relationships. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'm anticipating also with all of the folks that I will be meeting with Auburn, the folks who are looking in the same direction, the future ahead um, on the horizon, being pulled that way. It's funny when, when we're, upon this occasion, I, I'm even holding it, this bracelet, yeah. um, there was a time when all of the, um, facilitators of workshops that I was involved in coordinating came together and we gifted each other bracelets and mm -hmm. each bead would represent one of us as we went out and did the work of Auburn, uh, thinking that we're not alone mm -hmm. and that we're inspired by the work of our friend colleagues. And so as you join us and and, and step in to, to lead and facilitate this next chapter. I do feel the friends, I, like even on this call, as I look at Lisa and me, we're old timers. <laughs> uh, and so we have a memory mm -hmm. of people who have died, mm -hmm. who loved Auburn and were loved by Auburn, people who, who, who broke away because you know, friendship is hard and yeah. misunderstanding comes with the territory, yeah. a sense of broken trust. I think of the, uh, the people who would never have left, but knew it was time to go and yet are, are in for life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, there's an excitement that I say, I want you to know Naomi, and I yeah. want you to know Kelly, and yeah. I want you to know each of these folks, and I want them to know you. And I wonder also about the friends that you bring mm -hmm. into this new fold, mm -hmm. that sisterhood that you named. And I'm excited about how a place changes, mm -hmm. how communities change mm -hmm. all the time, but the ancestors, the saints, the folks who have been, we don't go away. <laughs> <laughs> We want to, we want to come too. There's a song in my head that plays when I think about friends. Um, Mark Miller, who is at Drew, uh, wrote a song um, 
draw the circle wide. Mm. And I get incredibly emotional when I hear that song, when I hear, you know, the choir singing that song, because it is about, you know, just drawing your circles wide and wider and wider and wider and the holy act that that is of bringing people in, like, and it never, it doesn't stop, you know, like there's no end of, of that. And um, so, yeah, there, the, I always have a, um, a soundtrack in my head <laughs> around various uh, events, but, uh, and, and circumstances. But when I think about my friends and I think about like the possibility of walking with new people, that's the song I hear in my head, draw the circle wide. Mark Miller, we're just gonna give him a shout out right now. (laughs) No, I know Mark Miller. You do? (laughs) I do know Mark Miller. I was Mark Miller's tutor. (laughs) Seminary. There you go. There you go. Such a wonderful musician. A wonderful, wonderful musician. And you know, thinking about it's so it's so interesting to like bring up this old friendship. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a time when we did a program. Mackie knows this. We were doing something on um, prison reentry, and -hmm. it came out of the movie that Mackie did around that theme. And we invited Mark there um, to do a program, and he composed original music Mm -hmm. for us um, that was lifting up the lives and the leadership and the contribution of folks who were reentering. And, um, and so it's so interesting when you're talking about the drawing the circle wide and at the same time that the circle's wide, the circle is intimate. People come in and out of it. Um, I want to know where did this come from? Where did your feeling about friendship come from? Did you grow up inside of this knowledge of the importance of friends? Um, Um, I grew, I grew into the knowledge of the importance of friends. And, you know, my upbringing um, was very interesting. <laughs> uh, and I, I can, re- I, I have a couple of friends from my childhood, uh, one from high school uh, and lots of associates, right? But one really, you know, really good friend that we have been friends uh, from high school, but I grew into this, uh, uh, sort of perspective on uh, friends, and it really is like from a biblical story. You know, it is um, in the Gospel of John where Jesus is talking to his disciples. That you know, that very long, 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 you know, goodbye kind of thing, right? But he says to them that I no longer call you servants; I call you friends because I've shared with you basically everything I know. And y'all gonna go on do some great, amazing things, but you know we are friends. And I I think about like you know what that means to intentionally uh, uh, connect um, in in that way, and for that connection to be about the kinds of things that I'm sharing with you. You know, that the, the commitment that like, I'm not holding anything back and, uh, and you can trust that. And I, and I will hold sacred what you share, you know, and, and the expectation that you'll hold sacred, sacred, what, um, what I share. 
and and that you'll be looking in the same direction, uh, you know, as we sort of move out in the world. We're doing different things, right? But we are moving in the the same direction, which is uh, forward. I grew into that um, understanding of friendship. Uh, and really, you know, it is the theology, the sort of the perspective of the vision of uh, the church where I had been for 30 years, you know, uh, this community of friends <laughs> witnessing, you know, for Christ. That wasn't my uh, upbringing. Um, we moved a lot and it was hard at, to be so young uh, and to not have the consistency uh, to develop friends. And so when I finally did uh, settle down, the friendships that I developed were, you know, very important to me. And this one in particular, um, you know, just my amazing girlfriend, Lamira. Uh, <laughs> on the first day of, of um, high school, she was sitting in, in back of me, I think. And uh, we were in music, you know, we went to a magnet, you know, high school, sitting in music. And I had a, um, had a pack of gum. She's going to kill me for sharing this. I took out the gum. I ate the gum and I put the wrapper back in and I put it on her desk. And I said, don't say I never gave you anything. We've been sharing gum ever since, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Well, now I have a thousand questions, but I want to leave this <laughs> one back. Oh, I, so many things that you said made okay. me think a couple of things. First of all, when you said it was, you know, you came into friendship, you didn't, you know, that it was hard, that you moved a lot, um, mm -hmm. that you learned a particular way of being friends um, 30 years in the church. And I'm assuming you meet Concord. Yes, um, where you are now. So I'd love to hear yeah. more about that. And I, but the other thing I was thinking, even before we got there, is I experience you as as um, introverted, like, but also you know the introvert extrovert, and <laughs> right on that cusp. That the cusp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was, I and mean, we've been thinking about how we talk about friendship in a way that leaves space for those of us who have, who may have more difficulty connecting around yeah. friendship and either because your personality needs that, that away time or simply because loneliness is a part of life also. And so how do we even talk about friendship inside of the fact that folks are lonely, mm -hmm. um, folks are introverted, Mm -hmm. folks, you know, pull away sometimes. Do you have any reflection on, on that? I, I think, um, you know, I, I relate well with people because I love people. And, um, and so most folks will not know that I am a bit introverted. <laughs> Uh, or and I and I recharge. Um, there are times when I recharge in the presence of people and with the activity of people. And there are times when I just really need to like be by myself. Um, but you know, when you see when you try to see people for who they are, like allow people to let you see them. 
for who they are as opposed to um, our own sort of like projections. Uh, and that's sort of the slow um, relating, you know, the slow sort of relationships and let people uh, work at their own pace. Um, I think that's more authentic than, you know, the immediate like sort of fast friends kind of, of, of phenomena. You know, some people really do that and that works for them. Um, but I like to see people and I, I hope that people feel seen, you know? Uh, and I'm, I, you, you ask, so what do we, you should, we should be patient. We should be absolutely patient. There's a young woman in my congregation, um, young person who, uh, when I first met them, uh, also you know, from a circumstance of, of difficulty, uh, I would say hello, stand at the door of the, you know, in the church, hello, hello, and just anger, you know, coming into the, to the building, anger coming into the building. That went on for about a year, this young person coming in to participate in the activities, but, and rebuffing affection in, you know, and, but, it, you know, what am I supposed to do? So I, every time I saw him standing at the door, hello, hello, hello. And there came a time when I came into the, uh, the building and I was on the phone and I had some stuff in my hand and I just, you know, hurried to get to my office and I'm there and I'm sitting in my office and I'm having this conversation on the phone and I see this little head peek around the corner to say, uh, hello, uh, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, after that sort of like year of patience, like this young person would come and, you know, just fall into my arms and to be held. And so I have photographs of, you know, me just holding this young person um, because that's really what they needed, but it took some time, you know, to get there and to know that, uh, that there was some safety uh, in my arms uh, and in my hello. One of the things that inspired Lisa and I and our friend Caitlin to think about friendship as a lens, as a practice, as a mm -hmm. critical value. And in particular for the three of us, friendship as queer people uh, and the, a history of that, uh, uh, a particular set of expressions of that, uh, was that there's there's something about how how do you treat how should we be treating one another? How is it that we are meant to treat one another? What is what does it mean to be a good friend? Mm -hmm. In that equation is not just love or is love in the most expansive uh, sense, there's justice. Yeah. It brings in all the things uh, and certainly uh, issues of possibility and equity and being there. So one question I have for you uh, is who's got your back? Mm. Mm. Emma? Mm. That's a good question. I haven't thought about it in that way. Like who's got my back? I know absolutely my family does have my back. 
I know absolutely my friends do. They have my back. Uh, <laughs> I know my congregation does um, have my back, that uh, there is a deep love and protection uh, of me. And sometimes that protection looks like, come here, let me tell you something, <laughs> kind of wisdom uh, that is shared. Um, The other part of that question though, Maggie, is and I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting in the fact that I have not thought about it in that way, like who has my back? Like um, even, even as I come from um, you know, circumstances of vulnerability, that I am a survivor of you know, family violence, of community violence, of sexual violence, um, and you know, have experienced abuse. To be at a place in my life where I have not had to think about being unsafe in that way uh, is also about a privilege of protection, of family, of friends uh, who have made it possible for me to have some safety, you know, in that way, and I'm just not, that's not, <laughs> that's sort of washing over me right now because I have not thought about that intentionally, but that's what it is. That's what it is. It's privilege, it's, it's comfort, it is safety that I have found in the relationships that I have built and developed and, and uh, that's amazing. I can't say that I've always felt that way, <laughs> given everything that I've that I have just shared. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that that has a lot to do with why I may feel as protective as I do mm -hmm. over my friends and over relationships, and um, and even when I greet people, um, you know, it's not an artificial. It is. You know what I, you know, I greet people, friends. I'm try, try not to do the binaries, you know, and I'm greeting people, friends. That is my offer also right. of, of love and protection. And, you know, it, the invitation into that uh, ever widening mm -hmm. circle. And, um, but I'm sitting here thinking about how, when that was created for me, like this, this is the result of it, you know, safety and, and, um, and love. So many powerful um, moral, theological, spiritual themes in what you just brought up. Um, the idea of protection, mm -hmm. of harboring each other mm -hmm. um, inside of a world where safe harbor is hard to find and to recognize it as, as privilege and how we move from it being the privilege of some Mm -hmm. to the possibility for all of us mm -hmm. um it just Absolutely. yeah I there was a lot in there that just struck me as really powerful mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. yeah the possibility for all of us like there's a there's a part of me that um so my contribution of that being the possibility for all of us, the 
the reality for all of us that, you know, I'm like pulling toward um, is also about like not forgetting what it felt like for me to be unsafe emotionally, psychologically, you know, uh, physically, um, you remembering what that feels like and, and what that felt like and not wanting to certainly, you know, not wanting to pledge the next generation, <laughs> you know, into that kind of thing and wanting that thing to stop with me, but the compassion and the empathy, um, that has to then result in the way that we fight, you know, uh, uh, for healthy, you know, faith and, and healthy boundaries and policies and justice and, you know, and programs and, and, and community, like that, that has to translate into that. Um, I read a book once where um, the author said that uh, he, he was challenging the church about, uh, the commercialization of Christmas. And basically saying that we've gotten so far away from the manger, like gotten so far away from seeing into the manger that, you know, we sort of like engage in this empty, these empty kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And I feel the same way about, you know, those of us who have histories um, you know, the historically oppressed peoples and the ways in which if we're not mindful and careful and open to getting, you know, our own help and dealing with our stuff, you know, how that then becomes the thing that we pass on. We, you know, you're not close to it anymore, so far away from it. And you don't realize, you know, how difficult it was for you and how difficult you're making it for, for someone else. I'm just thinking that that's why I have the reaction I do when you know, Black folks say um, that they hit their children mm. and that they're okay with it because, well, you know, they survived that kind of discipline. Mm. <laughs> you're here, you didn't survive. Like, <laughs> no, like, don't do that. <laughs> Don't do let's not do that to each other. Yeah. It, when you said that, when you, it's so interesting that you went right there because when Mackie, Caitlin Breedlove and I were talking about and have been talking about queer friendship, one of the things that we were reaching toward or wondering about was, is it possible to create friendship beyond white supremacy? Mm -hmm. And, um, I want to say, I'll speak for us, we're hopeful folks, right, and activist folks, so we believe it. <laughs> but believing it and being able to enact it are not quite the same thing. And so it's like it becomes a practice. And, um, and so when you said that thing about, you know, folks, Black folks thinking, well, I survived being, yeah. you know, yeah. so there must have been some good in it. And I'm going to pass that on instead mm -hmm. of being able to really connect into what the feeling was. And it's not just that people forget, but there's actually value in forgetting, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Value, the value in forgetting is that you get to stay, that there are perks. There are perks inside of the system that make forgetting possible, but also, you know, it's hard to confront our own pain. Yeah. 
And yeah, it is, it's hard. And I'm going to tell you this, like, you know, I have an amazing therapist. So yes, I have, you know, a wonderful community of faith and amazing friends, but I also have an amazing therapist (laughs) and the opportunity to name the things that I have, um, have had to struggle with. That's one thing. Then building the courage, the practice, the discipline to actually do something about those things, like, and, and to unlearn ways of being. Um, that is the lifelong struggle. And, but it's, it's one that I personally have committed to because I don't believe in, in pledging the next generation in sending forth, you know, I want to send, I'd say often, like, I want to send a better letter to the future than the one that I received, you know, and that in every relationship, every person that we encounter, that we engage with, like, that is a letter. (laughs) That is a letter that then, you know, is sort of like moving into uh, the future. And, and that's hard work. It is, it is hard work, but it is so worth it. It's worth it. We have to do that. I'm grateful as I get older for the lesson that you named that if friendship is looking in the same direction, but you don't always have to agree. Yeah. That friendships, that friendship can hold honesty, mm-hmm. must hold honesty. Mm-hmm can sometimes be the vehicle that calls forth honesty, mm-hmm. that recognizes what you don't see. And then in love helps you understand what's really going on. Absolutely. Through the lens of white supremacy, through all the lenses. Mm-hmm. And I think about that in all the dimensions it's not easy to be the president of a seminary. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even the promise of friendship can feel like a trick, uh, like a slick strategy, mm-hmm. uh, unless it's uh, got integrity and that's gonna have to include honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, because um, that truth-telling, you know, when you talk about friendship beyond white supremacy, we've asked a lot at Auburn, what is this institution beyond its roots or given its roots Mm -hmm. of being an institution that was a part of a a white colonial project? And there were uh, progressive, traditions here at Auburn that we're super proud of and that we that we name and there were real death dealing traditions like for example uh, training up clergy to go uh, separate Native American families and strip them of their culture and raise them in boarding schools and the like and that's just using prison labor to build our campuses yeah yeah. So, so this paradigm, this, this, when you talk about 
Jesus saying to the disciples, not servants, friends, mm-hmm. uh, and the way in which the framework in which we're to be in relationship and to know the divine and to maybe even feel what God's realm is like between us uh, includes some of this hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And there is no liberation in relationships that are not honest. There is no liberation where there's no truth. That's, that is in systems, in organizations, that is in the country, that's also within ourselves, you know? And uh, as a black woman, I have had to learn first to be honest with myself because I was taught to lie to myself, to say I was okay when I wasn't okay, right? So many have been (laughs) taught to lie to ourselves, right? And the effort to tell ourselves the truth right, meets the, uh, uh, it, it has to, so you begin, you know, here, and you're not going to be able, I'm not going to be able to call anything else into being, or to have integrity, uh, to not experience that dissonance that I, I don't want to feel, you know, if I don't start here, uh, but I, because of what I know here with myself, my relationship with myself, I know that there is no freedom, there's no liberation, there's no integrity of relationship without truth. And it is such a difficult thing for all of us, you know, but but particularly for, you know, nice Christian white folks. <laughs> uh, and and <laughs> Can I get an amen? Right. Oh, amen. We have we have to tell ourselves the truth, mm-hmm. and we have to be in truthful like we have we have to be in truthful relationship, and um, and that's hard. And it's not something that um, not and it's not just nice Christian white folk, you know. It is my community and what I have experienced in my community and the difficulty mm-hmm. that we have. We're telling ourselves the truth, not just of origin, but our relationship, <laughs> you know, our relationship to oppression and the kinds of things that we have done to each other and continue to do to each other. Mm-hmm. There is no liberation without truth. Yeah. And there's no justice without truth. So all of the efforts that we have, you know, one of, one of the biggest um, I, I love Dr. Shaniqua Walker Barnes, the Reverend Dr. Shaniqua Walker Barnes, Black womanist uh, who also talks about reconciliation. And I believe in reconciliation, but I also, and I also know that the project of reconciliation that we are to be engaged in and trying to work to, to work into being uh, would, will never happen if it doesn't go through you know, the pathway of truth and justice and reparations, you know, and, and uh, uh, it, it just won't happen. Uh, and so uh, Dr. Dr. Shaniqua Walker Barnes talks about, you know, reconciliation efforts in this country, uh, particularly among Christians. 
in interracial groups of Christians, where it looks like you get a whole bunch of, of white men and black men at a football stadium and they just hug it out. You know, Dr. Only, Dr. Only Love Alston, uh, <laughs> you know, also uses that, that imagery. Uh, that's what we think it means to be reconciled with one another, to be prepared to be uh, friends, except they leave that stadium and these white men go off to the world that they have created. And these black men go off to the world that they're participating in and it has nothing healthy and whole about that. That's not the reconciliation I want. And, um, but I, I also know that, you know, it begins with the relationship that I have with myself. I wonder, Emma, when you say that, and you're speaking about truth, mm -hmm. um, if part of the, how is the way that we get to that, to that mm -hmm. sense of truth, you know, because people, we nearly, we knew, we live in a world where, um, where people think of truth in terms of pluralities, yeah. truths that we yeah. tell. Um, but I mean, my spirit re is resonating with you when you talk about truth and saying, you know, as, as a black woman, the being true to myself mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. part of the way. And it's, and it's also an ongoing process. Can, can you yeah. say a little about the difference yeah. between truth, big T and the truth that you're talking about, which I think is yeah. maybe a little different. Yeah. Let I me just add to that. Let me just add to that. <laughs> Auburn's Auburn has become maybe become intentionally a multi-faith, mm -hmm. an expansive community. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and uh, there's you know Christian supremacy and mm -hmm. um, and you're a pastor mm -hmm. and uh, so I wonder how as you step into this role and into this community of friends as that's ever growing I I trust mm -hmm. uh, you make sense of that yeah you you are right that I. Uh, preface what I'm saying sometimes as as a black woman, right? Mm -hmm. Or you know, and I'll preface what I'm saying in whatever sort of identity uh, I am, because my truth is my truth, right? And um, but there are truths, mm -hmm. and when we listen to people's stories, I think this is one of the you know. We don't have, we don't make time in this country because everything is like a soundbite. And when we, when we create space to hear people's stories and for them to share their truths, you know, their truth. And, you know, like the, the I think that that's what honors people, um, but it also sort of, you know, we, we let go of, or we should let go of the need to hold the truth, <laughs> to be the truth. Like that is the most American thing. <laughs> and we, and it needs to be, it, it, it needs to be sort of like exercised. Um, it is the lie that we have been telling ourselves, you know, as a country that there is a truth, one truth. It is also the lie that we have been telling ourselves, I think as Christians, that there is a truth and the way that I get into that and, and try to rem, uh, remind myself of that is that there is a truth 
that white slave owners preached that was not the truth for my ancestors, right? Uh, but it was the truth of their experience. Like it, it, it was the truth of that. That's what they believed. And, but it wasn't the truth of what my folks believed. Um, and then when I think about like this pluralism uh, and we will only be um, the promise that we could be, you know, in, in this, the country we have never had the opportunity to be. Like if we make that, if we, if we become a lot more comfortable, pursue, pursue, <laughs> pursue that understanding of pluralism. And, and it's not about making room for people's truths because who am I to make room? Like, <laughs> I'm not inviting you into something that I own, right? You know, but it's showing up and, and not, um, not dominating, uh, which is just being violent, you know, uh, in that way. Um, and so again, I remember the path that was made for me and my truth. And what it then means to do that with others and to not make assumptions about what people hold dear, what their story is, um, or, or to try to validate or invalidate their stories. It's theirs. I wanted to know who is, who is, who is, who is Emma bringing with her? Who are the friends that we're going to get to meet because we know you? So then let me combine it with that. So I, when I was a little kid in Durham, North Carolina, I was that kid. My parents would go meet friends or my dad was a preacher and he'd make a call. And I just, they put me out and I'd go down the street and knock on doors and say, are there any kids here? Anybody want to play? <laughs> I want to be that kid again. And you know, I, I that, mm -hmm. that uh, got scared out of me in different ways. Uh, as a queer kid and whatever. Um, but my question is, uh, there's a lot of folks listening in who, who are a part of the Auburn community, uh, who I think to some degree are, are wondering, you know, what do you wanna, what, 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 game, what games do you like? Like, what do you wanna play? What do you, in as much as you've come in to, to be with us, where are we going as you say, we're looking in the same direction. And similarly, there are a whole lot of um, movement partners and uh, organizational partners who've been playing with Auburn for a long time. And probably they're wondering too, what do we play? What mm -hmm. do you want to play? What do you like? Mm -hmm. what, do you, what, what do you want to do here with us? Yeah. I affirm, um, I, I'm a beneficiary of Auburn's programs of Auburn's play, playing, you know, of, of Auburn's uh, work. And I affirm uh, the work that Auburn has done. And I think um, Auburn is at a period, uh, in, in, not just in this transition, but like, you know, in the transition of this country in the transition, walking through this, you know, the portal of this pandemic, but then also in this organization's next iteration, Auburn needs to be an anchor. And Auburn needs to have like roots that are deep. And I don't mean the 200 year old 
you know, sort of, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm going with when you think about the things that Auburn has done in the last 12 years. And those have been the things that shown us that it is possible for, for, for communities to heal. It is possible for differences to be bridged. It is possible for people to develop relationships and be in the same room and ask the difficult questions and have the difficult conversations. Like all of those things that we have shown that progressive faith leaders, progressive voices of faith, spirit-rooted leaders, all of those things, the moral court courage voices, the people of deep conscience, the ways in which they have tried to show up in this country that has only, you know, sort of like made room for the headlines for other kinds of, you know, religions of dominance, right? Those things need to go deep. We don't need to, we don't need to keep, you know, trying to reinvent the wheel or chase shiny new objects. We, we know what works. And we need, to, we need to take what we know and go deep with it. And when I say that, I mean, there's a, we have a, a bandwidth, a, 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 an, emotion, an attention span in this country that is so short, right? Three years, five years, you know, or a year, a grant cycle. And, and we don't have the kind of support, the progressive, the prophetic folks don't have the kind of support to stick with the power, to stick with the communities, to stick with the truth that they're trying to drive home. They need to have that support. And so when I say long game, even though it, you know, you're looking out, we're looking out on not just a country, but a world that is in peril. And we don't even know how much longer we have on this planet forever how much longer <laughs> we have on this planet we have to act like what we are doing and, and the, the stuff that we've made a commitment to like it actually really matters mm-hmm. and to hold integrity with it and to, and to to support it like we expect to win something like we expect for these things to work not it's not an experiment anymore and, um, and so that's the kind of leadership that I want to bring to Auburn. I want for, you know, when I, when I think about Auburn's team, and then I'm gonna shut up. I think about Auburn's team, absolutely amazing people. I want the world to know these folks. I want the world to know these folks. And I, and I want them to be supported to bring the kind of leadership that they've already proven makes the difference. So, yeah, you know, I'm not trying to build a, a platform for myself. What I'm trying to do is to give an on-ramp to those who would be coming behind us and, um, and to work and to pray um, and walk together as friends. Mm. Ooh, I feel blessed by that. And I've always felt blessed by your voice because it's just not, it's the content, but it's also the timber, is it timber, is that the right word? The sound, invite. 
And um, that might be the cheesiest way to get to the last question that I'm ever gonna <laughs> pull forward. But the way that we like to end is to reflect on or ask the question about, we say what song is getting you through, what sound is getting you through. Um, so can you reflect a little bit on that with us? Mackie and I are willing to share, um, and I'll start, uh, the sound is getting me through. Um, because it's Advent, I have been doing nothing but playing Advent hymns on repeat, and I'm sure that we will put it in the show notes so people can pull up the particular ones, but right now I am listening to Come Thou Redeemer of the World <laughs> and by the St. James Cathedral Choir, because this is like so much of what you said has the longing in it, the Advent season. I love Advent. So that's the sound that's getting me through is mm -hmm. the songs of the Advent season. Mm -hmm. What about you? There's a song, I don't know if, I've never heard a recording of it, but I've sung it um, with the Jubilee singers and, and um, with my folk. It's a song called Run, Mary, Run. And I know that I, it is getting me through because of where we stand, like in this moment in time, trying to walk, trying to see beyond this pandemic. And uh, the words are run, Mary, run. I know the other world is not like this. And the verses of preach, Mary, preach. I know the other world is not like this. Love, Mary, love. I know the other world is not like this. Sing, Mary, sing. I know the other world is not like this. And uh, that is uh, the, the, the uh, inspiration I'm holding on to, to imagine the other world that is not like this. It's gorgeous. I'll throw in my song. My song is a new one that I, uh, that popped up on my Spotify, but it's a, it's a kind of uh, liberation anthem. Do you know it? Do you know Yola? Anybody know Yola? The song is called Stand For Myself. And as you have uh, so graciously shared uh, about your own story, and as we work, as we enter into friendship uh, in community, this song is beautiful. There's one phrase, and it's vulnerable, but it's powerful. And the phrase that's, that I'm looking at right now on, in the lyrics is, it was hard enough to go and live on. I was so tired trying to belong. I was lost in the city. You could see it in my eyes, but I was still a dreamer in the middle of the night. Mm. I love how that sort of marries with the version, with the, the lyric that you just named of mm. the world as, as we know it must be, can be, should be. Yeah. And yeah. that we're striving for. That's right. Yeah. We're longing. Yeah, and waiting and we're working because yeah. we believe God now. Yeah, right now. Right now. Right now. Oh, thank you so much, Emma. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, it's been great to talk with you all. Great. It was great to talk to you, and so much love and so much support. And uh, and I know that you can count us among the people who have your back. Oh, for real. Yeah, for real. Not going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being with us today. 
We'll see you next month as we continue to explore the ways in which friendship helps us to create a world of love and justice. We want to send you out with the words of Winnie the Pooh. If ever there is tomorrow when we're not together, there's something you must always remember. You are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. But the most important thing is, even if we're apart, I'll always be with you. I'll always be with you. We'll always, always. be with you. <laughs> We'll always be together. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs>